you don't know this, but at every Sunday at this moment of the service, right before I begin the sermon, the first thing I do is I look at the clock. It's quarter after nine, it says up there. So I got, I got a lot of time. All right. I just want you to know, I mean, my clock says uh, nine fifteen. So buckle in, friends. We're going to be here for, we're going to be here for a few minutes. Uh, we're going to be here for a few minutes. We're starting our 40-day Lenten journey, and uh, this Lent we're going to be focusing on uh, on Jesus' table ministry. If you read the, the Scriptures time and time again, you find Jesus performing some of His greatest miracles, His greatest healings, His greatest teachings happen at the table, happen in moments when people are breaking bread together. And there's no better way to be formed as Jesus' people than to be formed in the places Jesus most formed them. And that was around the table. So for each of these weeks, we're going to actually come to this table. We're going to do communion each of the weeks leading up to, up to Lent. The communion will happen in different ways each Sunday. This Sunday, pretty much the standard way of we do it here, but each week we'll do it a little different as a way to experience Christ's table ministry in, in new ways because we want to come to Easter and the cross reminded that it was around the table that Jesus prepared His disciples for what was going to happen on Good Friday and then again on Easter. So we begin this journey at the table each of these next few weeks. Because it's my contention to you that of all the things Jesus did in His earthly ministry, one of the things He did that has had the most lasting impact on us today is what He did to this piece of furniture. This table, not just this table, but every table, every kitchen table, every boardroom table, every dining room table, every restaurant table. Because of Jesus, we as His followers should never be able to look at this piece of furniture ever the same again. Because what Jesus did around this table was simply amazing. For you see, in Jesus' time and in Jesus' day, the table was a symbol of separation. In Jesus' day, not everybody would come together at the same table. No, in Jesus' day, you only ate at the table with people who were like you. People who looked like you and worshipped like you and dressed like you and had the same kind of money or lack thereof as you. In Jesus' day, the table was perhaps the single most symbol of a separated and divided world. And here comes Christ. And He changed this table. And with it, every table along with it. For you see, Jesus was always gathering people together around the table who weren't supposed to be sitting at the table together. Jesus gathered religious people with non-religious people. He gathered poor folk with rich folk at the same table. He got women and men invited to the same table together. And then He dared to say that around that table, with those people, 
he dared to say that that table is the table where God is most present. See, he changed the table forever. You know, that's why when uh, we do the um, homeless week that we've just finished out, that's why I stand up here the weeks prior and I say to you, if you want to do something this week, just show up and eat at a table. Come and just eat. Some of you came this week and us, you know, good kind of church folks, we come and we look for a job. What, what, what can I do, pastor? What can I do to help? I've got to be able to do something to help. No, all you got to do is eat. All you got to do is sit at the table. Because truth be told, sometimes it's easier for us to stand on the other side of the serving table, isn't it? Sometimes it's easier to serve the poor than it is to be with them or among them. And some of the most radical things we did this week was simply sit at the table with people. And some of you brought your kids. What a radical thing. Some of them, in moments of privacy, came and said to me, you know how meaningful it is when someone brings their kids? We live in a world where people take one look at us as homeless people and they're absolutely suspicious of us. Not only do they not let us see their kids, they usually move their kids to the other side of the road. And here's a church that says, shoot, we bring our kids right in and sit at the table with you. I think a couple of them, after having a few meals with my kids, were a little ready for my kids to go to the other side of the road. But So why do we do that? Why is that simple act of eating so important? Because, because of what Jesus did at the table. Today we look at a story that you'll find in all three of the Synoptic Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell this same story. It's really one of the first stories where Jesus radicalized the table. And on a day when we welcome some 20 new people into the membership of a church, this story tells us more about what Jesus' idea of membership, belonging to the church community is all about. Hear this story from from Luke's Gospel. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up, Levi, and left everything and followed Christ. Then Levi gave a great banquet for him in his house, and there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others, and the others, others, um, three gospel, two gospels say, and other sinners. There was a crowd of tax collectors and other sinners sitting with Jesus at the table. The Pharisees and the scribes, don't forget, that's the, that's the church folks, right? The church folks were there, and they started to complain to the disciples saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and with sinners? The call of Levi, also known as Matthew. It's one of the first moments where we get this new look. Oh, there's more here. Jesus answered. He said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, Jesus says. I have come not to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance, to change, to wholehearted living. The call of Matthew, the call of Levi. Such an important story in the life of the church. It's what membership is all about. Because you see, Levi was a tax collector. 
Lynn's kind of a tax collector, aren't you, this time of year? She works for H&R Block, right? Everybody loves the tax man, right, this time of year? Right? Right? Don, where's Don? Don's, Don's a tax man, right? Don's a tax man. See, uh, God calls the, the tax collector. You see, in, in uh, Jesus' time, the, the, the notion of tax collector was synonymous with thief. They were the most suspicious people in the whole community. Because you see what the tax collectors were doing in Jesus' time. They were Jewish people employed by the Roman army to collect the taxes. And so what they would do is they would overcharge the people and underpay the government. And so they padded their own pockets. The tax collectors were the richest folks in town. They had the biggest house. They wore the best clothes. They drove the best donkeys. You know? They threw the biggest parties. They had their money and they flaunted it. And everybody in town knew they didn't come by their money honestly. And so here is Jesus inviting this guy into the life of their church. This guy. Can you imagine what happened when, when Levi, when he showed up for worship the first time? Can you imagine the prayer chain after church? I mean, the prayer chain got going that day, right? The phone got picked up and people were saying, did you see who came to church today? It was that Levi. Look at him. He walked right in there with those kids and he sat right down in Mrs. Johnson's pew. Can you believe it? He sat right down in her seat. The whispers going through the crowd about this guy who everybody knew his life was a mess. Jesus says, Welcome. Welcome to my church. There's a spot for you, and not just for you, but for all your friends too. And that's the scene we got in that story this morning. Is you got Jesus sitting at the table with all of these other tax collectors and sinners. They're having this party in the fellowship hall of the church, right? And it's like, like Levi went out and said, Hey, you gotta come see what's going on in my church. No, no, I'm serious this time. This is Jesus. This church seems different than the other. They're not as interested in the mistakes we've made in the past as they are in the life we want to live in the future. Come, I'm, I'm serious. This church is, is different. And here, in this moment around this table sharing and celebrating life was a group of people who felt that they were never going to be able to walk through the doors of the church. Membership. Membership looks like like that, Jesus says. That you get to belong before you have to believe. As you get to belong before you need to behave. Right? Because if the litmus test was the other way around, and that's why the Pharisees have all the trouble, is because they're saying, this guys need to clean up their act before we're going to let them in our church. I mean, think how different the Gospels would read if, if membership had to be about believing or behaving before you could belong. The woman Jesus caught in adultery, well, they just would have stoned her. 
The thief who died on the crosses next to Jesus, well, they'd just be dead. The woman at the well, well, they just would have ignored her. The prostitute who cleaned Jesus' feet with her own tears and her own hairs, well, she'd still just be out on the street turning tricks. And me? Shoot, if I had to get my act together before I could be welcomed into Jesus' community, I wouldn't be standing here today. You see, membership is the invitation to belong. Long before it's a litmus test about what you believe or how you behave. And Jesus witnessed that by what he did around this table. You see, I love it when the church folks get all up in Jesus' face about, about that. What are you doing letting these people into the church, he says. Didn't do this in uh, Luke's gospel, but in Matthew's gospel when they do that, I love it. Because Jesus, what does he do to them? He quotes scripture at them. He says, haven't you read? And he quotes Hosea. He says, haven't you read? God desires mercy. More than he does sacrifices. I love it when Jesus quotes scripture. Because he quotes scripture at people different than we usually quote scripture. You see, when Christians usually quote scripture at people, we're usually doing it to prove our point, right? We usually quote scripture at people, lob it like hand grenades in order to kind of keep people out of the church, right? You've heard it done lots of times, right? Well, let me tell you why this group doesn't belong in the church. Quote Leviticus 18. This church doesn't belong in the church. Quote this verse. Jesus says... Haven't you read the prophets? God says, I want mercy more than I want sacrifice. And I've come to heal the sick, not just take care of the religious. And so what does it mean to be a a member of Jesus' community? Doesn't mean you got it all figured out. It doesn't mean that you got your life all cleaned up. In fact, it means I've come to this place on my journey because I'm saying I need a little help along the way. And I believe that by joining this community on this journey, my life's going to be headed in a new and a different direction. You know, I joked with our new members at the new member class, I really don't like membership in the church. Membership is better for gyms and for country clubs where membership gets you some sort of privilege. There's no privilege in being a member of the church. All that comes with it is responsibility. And a lot of food, right? I guess there is one fringe benefit here, right? There's no benefits. I said you don't get your own pew when you become a member of the church. Can I get an amen? Right? You don't get your own pew when you become a member of the church. In fact, if you're a member of the church and you walk in and somebody's sitting in your pew, what do you do? You shake their hand and say, hi, it's nice to meet you. I'm glad you're here today. I hope you sit in my seat again next week. (laughs) Right? Right? I hope you're sitting right here again next week in my spot. And you hope it becomes their spot. And then you're going to teach them that five years uh, or five months down the road when somebody comes sits in their spot, you hope that they say the same thing. And eventually we get so many new spots that because we're filling up with new people. That's what a member does. Member doesn't get a new, doesn't get a better parking spot. In fact, members take the worst parking spot. Members park at the back end of the parking lot. Make room for the 
for the new folks. You know, uh, um, one of the best uh, like church signs. You know, and, uh, we have we have a couple visitor spots. But I was at a church once that said spots reserved for single moms. For single moms in the community, because these moms are, they, they want to welcome these people who don't ever get welcomed into church. You know, I'm looking for the church that says, spots reserved for recovering drug addicts. Right here, you sit right, in, you get a spot right in the front row if you're a, if you're a recovering drug addict, because we want you here. Yeah, people trying to break their cigarette habit. We'll give you a special parking spot, Michelle. We know you're trying to break that. Friends, that's what, that's what membership looks like in the life of the church. You see, his name was Neil. Neil was a student in our youth program when I was a youth pastor at Birmingham. Neil was a student in that program, except he didn't come. We're going on a mission trip to Redbird, Kentucky one summer, and his mom came up to me and said, Neil's going on the trip with you. I said, well, that's great. Well, he doesn't think it's so great. You see, Neil got in trouble at school, and this is his punishment. He's going on your mission trip. I'm like, well, who's getting punished on that, right? (laughs) Neil showed up on that trip and he had his arms folded in the back of the bus. At the first rest stop, he came up to me and he said, Pastor Jeff, I want to tell you something. I'm here against my will. I'm an atheist and I don't believe a single word of anything that you guys believe. But here's my promise to you. I'm not going to cause you any trouble this week. But just don't expect me to believe any of this stuff. And so we included Neil that whole week in our life together on this trip. Neil went out to the work projects with us and was a part of our community life. And every night when we'd get together at the end of the day and we'd sing our songs and pray our prayers and talk about where we saw God in our life, Neil would step out to the back of the circle and watch it happen. And on Monday night, he stood at the back of the circle. And by Wednesday night, he was still outside the circle, but he was sitting a little closer And come Thursday night, he was sitting a little closer to the circle. And on Friday, this last night of this trip, when youth stand up and talk about what God is doing in their life, it was Neil who raised his hand and all of us braced ourselves. What was this young man going to say to us? Neil said, I've gone a whole week with you people. And I still don't believe anything you believe. But I like what you do. And I want to be a part of this community. And he started coming back to youth group. Now, at the beginning of the week, we could have told Neil, you can't come with us unless you sign off on everything we say you need to sign off on, unless you get your act together. Those young people let him belong before they ever asked him to believe. New members of the church, you belong. We welcome you. You're a part of this family. And all I ask of you is you invite others to belong along with you.